if you have your Bible, turn to Mark chapter 10, uh, verses 46 through 52. Um, while you're doing that, I do want to always uh, thank God for this opportunity to stand before you. Um, it is not a light task, and it's not something that uh, one should uh, take advantage of. But with this task comes much responsibility, and um, you can get in a lot of trouble if you misuse it. Um, a lot of people don't uh, see that now when you have so many false preachers who use their, their platform to gain wealth or to gain prestige or as a platform for their own agenda. But uh, this is something that uh, at the end, <laughs> when, <laughs> when Jesus, now that I'm saying this, I'm you know wondering should I be doing this, uh, <laughs> But at the end, Jesus will call you to account, and, and, and he will ask those that were, um, especially those that were in charge of the care of his word, did you handle this right? And uh, there's too many people that are more concerned about filling their bank accounts um, and getting their name great than they are about making Christ's name great among those that do not know him. Uh so um, with that said, I want to thank God for this opportunity. I thank Alex and, uh, of course, uh, his family for uh, all that they do here at this church, um, and Alex for trusting me to, uh, to uh, do this. Either he is okay with the sermons I preach, or he hasn't heard the ones I preach yet, one or the other. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. But uh, uh, thank the session for all that they do, the deacons, the elders, and all of the lead servants. Um, so grateful for all of you guys. Um, it's a lot of people uh, that are traveling, and we will keep them in our prayers. Um, it's summertime, and a lot of people like to go to the beach or um, to the lake or lake house or go see families. Uh, and, and so we hope that um, they keep safe on their travels. Uh, I am reminded of one guy in particular that was, uh, I think he was at a particular, like, beach area. Um, where the, in the ocean, and while he was uh, while he was paddling his boat, uh, it flipped over. And the area that he flipped over was known from when he was a childhood. He knew that that area had a lot of alligators, and so uh, he could see the shore, but he did not want to swim to it because he was fearful that the alligators may get him. So he held on to his boat and tried to stay on top of it as it had flipped over. And he sees this other guy passing by in a bigger boat, and he asks the guy, is there any alligators in the water? Do you know? And the man said, oh, no, those alligators have been gone for a while now. And the man said, oh, thank God. So he starts swimming. As he's swimming towards the man's boat, he asks him, how did you guys get rid of all these alligators? And the man said, we didn't. Uh, the sharks ate all of them. <laughs> so be careful while you're going on your summer vacation. Uh, to make sure you know what is in the water. Uh, let us pray. Father, thank you uh, that you allow us to um, enjoy one another. Um, laughter does the heart well. Father, now we ask that you would help us look at this passage, that it may open up our hearts and minds to the truth and what it is that we need to uh to be doing as believers and followers of Christ. 
Father, I pray a special prayer uh, for those children in Haiti. Uh, there is an orphanage that uh, that they have supposed to have been shutting down so that the children can go to a better orphanage and safer orphanage. Um, but it seems as if the government is assigned to put that on hold. So, Father, I ask that you will move in miraculous ways, that you will put those that are uh, in charge, that you will uh, fill their heart with compassion, and that you will fill their body with action so that they may do what it is that needs to be done for those children to be in the best environment as possible. Be with us now. Amen. All right, we have Mark chapter 10. Verses 46 through 52 here. And they, Jesus and disciples, um, they came to Jericho. And he was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a great crowd. Bartimaeus, while he was doing this, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying, take heart, get up. Uh, Take heart, get up. He is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. If you don't mind, I'm going to dress up, pretend to be as Bartimaeus just for a little while. Uh, Just for a little while. Uh, Bartimaeus is sitting on the side of the road, and he has his coat. Uh, they call it cloak, but uh, his cloak was a little bit bigger than this. Um, some of you are saying, well, you picked the right jacket to be a homeless man. Uh, he picked a cloak, and usually the cloak was a lot longer and bigger than this. In fact, it will probably be in a circular fashion where his robe and his cloak will reach probably to where that speaker was at. Because he's blind. And he's sitting on this road, and as he's sitting, people would sometimes come by and throw change at him. Because he's blind, they didn't have work for blind people back then. Uh, So if you were blind, you were more likely a beggar. And some people may come by, and they may drop the coins in his hand. I have poker chips, chips, coins, whatever. And they may drop them in his hand. They may do that. They may, because they're so uppity and so much better than him, throw it from a distance. They may just throw it. And it would usually land somewhere on his jacket. Um, and they could throw it anywhere. They could throw it and it land in his jacket. They would throw it or they would give it to him and he would place it on his jacket. And that's what the, uh, not, the daytime use of the jacket was. Uh, the nighttime use was at the end of the day of his uh, collecting of coins, he would pull the jacket to him. He's blind. And when he pulled it to him, everything that was collected on the jacket, he'd better keep up with it. And he would keep it, and he would gather it, and he will put it wherever he put it. And at nighttime, he would use it as clothing, as shelter, to keep warm from the cool night. So Bartimaeus is on the side of the road with his cloak. Now, we have this story told in Matthew chapter 20, 
verses 29 through 34, uh, Matthew recalls there was two people, uh, but he doesn't give any names. And then we have Luke chapter 18, verses 35 through 43. Uh, Luke uh, remembers or recalls only one guy, but he also doesn't give a name. So for uh, our sake, we will be looking at Mark because Mark names at least one of the guys that was there. Uh, But Mark also has the setting uh, as far as the storytelling and and the rest of chapter 10. He tells it in a way that uh, it it flows very well. It will be easy for us to look at today. Now, they call him Bartimaeus. Um, it's real easy why they call him Bartimaeus, at least to me it is. Bar is, of course, Greek for son of, and then later on it's redundant by telling us that he is the son of Timaeus. Uh, uh, you remember uh, Jesus was talking to John in one of the uh, gospel accounts, and he said, Blessed are you, uh, son, uh, Bar Jonah, son of Jonah, son of Jonah. Uh, uh, they they would do that to remind you that this is the father name Timaeus and that Bar is actually uh, used for uh, son of. Uh, you have uh, today you have people whose last name ends in son. Um, that usually was derived from the forefather's name. So if the forefather's last name was Garrett, then later on down the years uh, they may not have first or last I mean last name, so they only had one name, so they would just call him Garrison. Uh, so pretty similar to today's time, uh, or somewhat of today's time. Uh, so we have uh, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. Also, Mark is writing his name, so that for those that are reading, remember, he's not writing this letter to us per se. Uh, the Holy Spirit is writing it to us, but Mark had an audience in mind. So Mark is basically saying, if you don't believe me, go ask Timaeus. Go ask Bartimaeus. Uh, so the audience will be able to go and look. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, maybe 1 Corinthians, I believe it's 2 Corinthians, he says that the things I'm telling you are true. And there are many eyewitnesses that saw it, uh, so you can go ask them. Many are still alive, although some are, are asleep or dead. So he is writing this in my mind just for the audience. If you don't believe me, go ask Timaeus or Bartimaeus. If you look at verse 47, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Why, does he, why is he so eager to call on Jesus? He's blind. His blindness has caused interest in Jesus. The healthy does not need a doctor. We often hear this phrase, God help those who help themselves. It's not true. In fact, we often find that most of the, if not only the, only the people God help is those that can't help themselves. Bartimaeus is blind, and because of that, he realized he has a need. And as he's sitting on the roadside, remember, he's blind, so what happens to the rest of his senses? They're enhanced. They're sharper. So he can feel better. He can taste better. He can hear better. And among all this commotion, he's hearing people yelling stuff. There's this great crowd, probably hundreds, if not thousands of people, and they're making all kinds of noise. And amidst all this noise, he hears something about Jesus. And he's heard of Jesus. He had to have, or else he would not have had the reaction that he has following that. When he hears it's Jesus, 
he goes crazy, right? And the world, those around him, think he's being ridiculous and extreme. Maybe that's why so many of us do not really react towards Jesus the way we ought to. We don't act like Bartimaeus because we don't want anyone to think that we're being extreme. You're going to break your back for the Savior? You're going to do all of this for Jesus? You're going to actually make yourself possibly look crazy in front of Jesus? Bartimaeus has a need, though, that obviously none of them can meet. So he can't listen to the crowd right now. He has to cry out to Jesus. I like the way Matthew said that. Matthew said that he just simply said, Lord, have mercy. Have you ever been in that place in life? You don't have time for this eloquent prayer. You don't have time to write this doctrinal uh, dissertation out. All you can say is, Lord, have mercy. My children are acting right. Lord, have mercy. My job is thinking about cutting me off. Lord, have mercy. The doctors can't fix whatever it is that's going on with me. Lord, have mercy. But this is possibly a better translation, possibly, that, that Mark, uh, because it gives us a little bit more perspective on who Bartimaeus knows Jesus to be. If you keep looking, he cries out, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he begins to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, Bartimaeus knows who he is. He's blind. He's a beggar. He's the son of Timaeus. He knows these things. But what's more important in this passage that we find out he knows who Jesus is. Peter, it has been given to Peter's credit that he has given the two greatest confessions of a man. The first great confession is that Peter said to Jesus, Thou art the Christ, Son of the living God. That's the, first, the greatest confession. Then later on we find the Acts that people begin to want to worship Peter and the other apostles, and Peter rips the cloth off and said, I am but a man. Two great confessions. Bartimaeus knows these two things. He knows he's but a man, a blind man, a begging man, but a man. And he knows who Jesus is, son of David. This isn't a term that they just give just because it's a hip thing to be called back then. He calls him this because he recognizes that this man, the stuff that I've been hearing about him, this man is the fulfillment of David's throne. He's not immediately David's son, but he is through David's lineage. But that term is also used for kings, for, for those that are the king of Israel, for those that are the Messiah, same one, anointed one. That's the term that they give the kings. Jesus the Christ, that's the Christos, it's translated Messiah. He knows this. So he calls out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, I'm assuming Jesus heard him because if you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they heard him twice. So I'm assuming Jesus heard him. Also, Jesus is God, so I'm assuming that he heard him the first time. But everybody's telling him to be quiet. They, the, the, the word they use here is rebuke him. This is the second time we hear this word rebuke in this chapter. Uh, if you look at verse 13, 
Children are coming to Jesus. Oh, what a precious sight. And the disciples rebuke them. <laughs> They're telling him he doesn't have time for you right now. He's busy with other things. They rebuked him. One of my favorite songs is Jesus, Friend of Sinners. And in that, the guy says, they're running to you, but they're tripping over me. Bartimaeus is blind. He has a need that no one else can meet but Jesus. He's crying out to him, and everybody's rebuking him. Even in churches today, we spend too much time being what the what one pastor called gatekeepers instead of doorkeepers. It's a difference. Gatekeepers don't let anyone in. Doorkeepers, their job is to let people in. And we're so busy worried about what occupation somebody got that when they run to Jesus, you don't want to let them in. Oh, he, he used to be a, this kind of singer or rapper. He doesn't belong in the kingdom. You're a gatekeeper. She used to do that. He used to do that. You're a gatekeeper. Instead, we ought to be lining up the streets trying to tell as many people as possible, get in here. Because when the flood comes, no one, no one that's outside of God, no one that's outside of that ark, which is Jesus, is going to survive. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. They rebuked him. And I like his reaction. He didn't be quiet, but he got a little bit louder. <laughs> Jesus, they're telling me to shut up. They, want, they didn't tell him to be quiet. They, they would probably tell him all kind of other things. Shut up, you worthless man. No one has time to listen to you. Jesus, son of David, be quiet. He doesn't have time for you. And Jesus stopped. Have you done anything worth Jesus stopping over? Have you gotten his attention lately? Jesus is on the road to Jericho, that road that he used the illustration for, for the Good Samaritan story. It's a dangerous road. He and his disciples need to go ahead. There's a great crowd with him now. He and his disciples need to go ahead and get out of there before nighttime comes. He has better things to do, actually. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. If you look at the next, uh, the first verse of the next chapter, he is entering Jerusalem. He's only a few miles away from his final destination. That place where he, the king, finally becomes the king, Jerusalem. That place where he is going to become the savior of the world. He is almost there. A few miles away. But Bartimaeus is like, hold on. Because if you look at it, verse 46 says, they came to Jericho, and as they was leaving Jericho, it was a quick trip. Jesus may not come back in Bartimaeus' mind. I can't let these people stop me from getting to Jesus. And Jesus doesn't come back. This is his last trip to Jericho. Jesus has bigger things to do but yet he stops for a blind beggar. Someone that we wouldn't look twice at. Because we have to get to work. We have to get here. We have to go there. We don't have time to second glance at this man. Jesus has 
much bigger and more important things than you had on your agenda. And he stops for blind Bartimaeus. And when he stopped, he told them, call him. Now, this is funny wordplay to me. The same people that was telling him to shut up, now has to go to him and tell him to get up. They were trying to stop him from the very thing that they now are being used by Jesus to get him to do. Get up. Now, this is probably one of the things that we as Bible readers overlook the most, if you've ever even read this story. Matthew didn't put it in his story. Luke didn't put it in his story. Mark puts in a key detail that really threw me off for a little while. When he got up, it says that he threw his cloak to the side. Do you guys see that? This cloak was his source of income. He's a blind man. This cloak is what's going to keep him warm at night. Bartimaeus looked at the cloak, though, a little bit differently. To him, the cloak was a reminder that he couldn't see. To him, this cloak was a reminder of his former life. And he, he, he looked up, and when he heard Jesus tell him to come here, he realized, I'm not going to need this anymore. And so he went ahead and threw it to the side. Now, I know we're not in a Baptist church, but tell your neighbor, throw your, clothes, throw your coat off. <laughs> throw your coat off. I'm not, I won't be needing this anymore. His faith was much bigger than his blindness because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Even though he was blind, he saw some things that people with eyes couldn't see. He said, I won't be needing this anymore. He threw it to the side. Jesus said, you can't put new wine in old wineskins. You got to get rid of that old wineskins. You can't put new fabric on old garments. You got to get rid of that old garments. When Elijah took off his coat, Elisha tore his coat off. I won't be needing this anymore. I got something better. He was making room for the new thing. One of my one, uh, illustration I heard uh, to display faith was you, you're constantly saying that you're going to buy this new car. You want this new car because the car you have is old. It's about 50 years old. It's on blocks. It doesn't even have wheels on it anymore. And you're constantly saying, I'm, I'm going to get a new car. And the guy that was telling the story said that his mama told him one day, baby, if you got the new car, where are you going to park it? Your old car is still in the parking spot. You got to get rid of that old thing that's not useful anymore, that you're not going to be needed anymore. Get rid of it. And he gets rid of it because that old garment is about his past life. Now, when he gets rid of it, he throws away his comfort and his security. Something Jesus does to us a lot. He calls us out of our comfort. Anytime he told a, a blind man to see that was him going out of his comfort zone. That's all he knew was not to see. 
How am I going to see? What would that be like? Am I willing to take this risk? What would happen to my hearing, my taste, my feeling? Anytime he told a lame man to walk, I've never done this before. Sometimes he tells us to do things we've never done before. I want you to go over there and talk to that person. Just be friendly with them. I will give you the word. Say just go on over there. And many of us are like Moses. But, but, but Lord, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't talk well. I don't, and, and, and God said, I will give you the word. So we come up with another excuse. Well, you know, I'm really not that pretty. What would the person run from me? And, and, and the Lord said, I will make you appealing in their sight. And you come up with over and over with all these excuses because you're comfortable where you're at. Lord, I just want to go home and watch TV. Why I got to go tell this person about Jesus? Because they're, all their eternity depends on it. Yeah, I know that, but, but Lord, it's, it's basketball season, it's football season. I can go out mud riding. I don't go mud riding. I just know people that go mud riding. And Jesus says, get out your comfort zone. Leave the security. Leave that nest that you know how everything is going to happen here. Leave that alone and go where I tell you to go. And he does this. He has to change. He's, he's prepared for change. A lot of us, just, we're, just too, we're not risky enough. We don't, we don't want to take that change. Uh, one of my favorite artists, uh, Andy Mineo, says this. I have two choices. Both of them requires pain. One is the pain of change. The other is the pain of staying the same. Both of them is painful. I tell people all this time, all the time because they worry about whether or not somebody's going to talk about you. And I say, man, I, from what I've seen, if you do good, they talk about you. If you do bad, they talk about you. But we, we, we want to stay comfortable. This is what I know. Bartimaeus, that's not him. That coat has got to go because Jesus just called me. And if he's about to do what I think he's going to do, I won't be needed anymore. And something crazy happens. Jesus, being God, asked him a question. He asked him, what do you want me to do? Isn't that a weird question for God to ask? God is a little weird like that. Don't tell him I said that. God, he'll ask weird questions, an obvious question. He's blind. What else do you think he will want, Jesus? I've, I dealt, I've, I've, I've dealt with several times. I've dealt with the, the misunfortunate, the handicapped, the homeless. I've dealt with them a lot of times. And if I was to ask them, what do you want, which I have oftentimes, I don't ever get that particular answer that Bartimaeus gave, though. I see someone that's homeless, and they tell me, well, I had lost my job, so I became homeless. What can I give you? I don't get a job. Can I get $5? I asked one guy, uh, are you hungry? He said, yes. What do you want? Can you just give me $2? Sometimes we, we really don't know what it is we want or need. And so Jesus, not just going to go up there and just give the man his sight wants to know from him. He wants to see his faith. What is it that you want me to do? 
This man could have easily said, can you give me a new coat? The one I got is a lot older, and it's probably got holes in it. The rats have gotten to it. Can you give me a longer and better coat? He could have asked for that. Can you give me the money or meal that I need for today? He could have asked him for that. <laughs> but Bartimaeus is one of the most underrated biblical people we find in the Bible because he goes, he goes and asks for the big one. I want my sight back. Will you please give me my sight back? Solomon had the option from God to ask for whatever he wanted, right? You remember that? And Solomon, he said, ask for it. I will give it to you. Solomon could have asked for the strongest army that the world's ever known. He didn't do it. Solomon could have asked for all the money that no man could count, but he didn't do it. Solomon asked for the big one. Lord, give me wisdom. Give me understanding. Let me know what I'm doing. Bartimaeus is having this this Solomon-like faith. He's not asking for that basic need. He asked for that big one. Now, I believe Jesus asked Bartimaeus that so that he could put his faith on display. But I also think that Jesus wants to give Bartimaeus a little bit of that control of his own destiny, his life. Free will is what we call it. Now, usually when I say free will, if I'm around the the wrong group of people, they start throwing stuff at me. And me being someone of an athlete, I just catch it and throw it back, and then we'll... But that's not what's going to happen here. Because the Bible mentions too often the term or the the concept of free will, so we got to deal with it. What is it you want me to do? We also have in the Bible God's sovereignty. Jesus already knows what he wants him to do. If you look at Romans 9, God said, I have mercy on whoever I want to have mercy on. Right? You got you to gotta look at that verse. But then I look at Acts 27 where there's a storm and the boat is about to wreck and Paul tells them, don't worry about it. An angel told me no one on this ship is going to die. But we got to do this. Wait a minute, Paul. You just said no one on the boat is going to die. Word from God. Word from heaven. Why do we have to do something? Some tension there between human responsibility and God's sovereignty. Bartimaeus here has been given a question that he gets to answer. What is it you want me to do? And we look at his option of saying whatever he wanted to say. Free will is what I'm calling it. We look at the world today, and many people don't believe that there's a God because we have free will. If God was all-powerful and all-loving, why did he let this murderer kill these people? And you have to really understand what it is that our chief purpose in life is. Our purpose in life is to glorify God, to love him with all of our might and strength and being, everything we got. But if God just forced us to do that, is it truly love? If I, am I truly loving God if I have no other option? If your spouse had no choice because you was controlling them with this remote control, they had no choice but to serve you and love you, 
Would you really feel that it was genuine? And so we're looking at God giving us free will, choices to, to make on our own. And, but we're looking at God and saying, God, why are you letting these people do all these things? And God is looking at us saying, I'm giving you all this power. I'm giving you all this money. I'm giving you all these resources. Why are you using it the wrong way? They love to show, they love to show pictures of these starving children in Africa. But did you? You know Zimbabwe is called the breadbasket of Africa, right? And that's because Zimbabwe alone can feed the entire continent of Africa seven times. But there are evil dictators and evil politicians there that will sell it and give as, and sell as much of it overseas as they can so they can get their money and, and fill their Swiss bank account and they can get all the money while they're watching their people starve to death. And God, God is saying, I've given you enough food. Why is man misusing it? Why is man using what I've given to fatten his own pockets? Can you imagine how great America could be if those that were placed in leadership would not use their power to build their own platform and, and not build their own name? How great this world could be, but instead, it's about me, and it's about making my name great. And when you do that, you harm and you destroy so many people's lives and opportunities. Jesus asked this man, though, what do you want? I can, man, I can imagine Bartimaeus, his eyes, his eyes lit up, right? He has heard all these stories that Jesus has done, all these great miracles. But probably the one that stood out the most to him was when Jesus asked this one guy to come here, and Jesus spit in the mud, and he rubbed the mud and spit together, and he put it on the guy's eyes. And the guy could see. Bartimaeus, he probably heard that story, and he was, he's probably rehearsing over and over and over in his mind. When I meet Jesus one day, I'm going to ask him, can he, make, can, he, can he spit in the mud and touch my eyes? And Bartimaeus comes to Jesus, and he doesn't know what to expect, but he knows that Jesus is able to heal him. And Jesus asks him, what is it that you want me to do? And he asked him, Rabbi, let, my, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said, he didn't do anything fancy. He simply said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately, he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. I'm going to get ready to end. But can we real quickly look at Bartimaeus' response? Jesus tells him, what did Jesus tell him in the, first, the very first three words? What did he tell him? Go your way. Look at the end of the sentence. What does Bartimaeus do? 
he followed him on the way. Bartimaeus' response is to follow Jesus. He, he has a sight. But Bartimaeus wanted something more, right? You, you, you remember the lame man who friend, he had some good friends. They climbed the roof, cut a hole in some stranger's roof, and, and load them down. Those are good friends. It's what we call ride or die. And so uh, they lowered his friends, his friend, their friend down. And Jesus is looking at this man that's lame. And Jesus doesn't say, your, your legs are healed, run around. He doesn't say that. Your sins are forgiven. Take your bed and walk. Jesus, what does my sins my sins are forgiven. That's not the issue at hand right now. The issue is my legs don't work. See, Bartimaeus, he got his eyesight, but he got more than that. He got forgiveness of sins. And he got a guarantee to be with Jesus for eternity in heaven. He didn't go his way. Instead, he came back again and again and again. He was there with Jesus. I like to believe he was there the whole time because Jesus didn't go to Jerusalem. I like to believe Bartimaeus was there. And Bartimaeus saw them take the palm leaves down and lay them before Jesus on that borrowed mule. And Bartimaeus was probably in the crowd yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And he could possibly be one of those people that they interrogated and asked, what did Jesus do? And when so many people said he did this, he did that, he could have been one of those people. He probably was there when they was going to crucify him. And Barbara said, wait, this is the man that gave me my eyes to see. Why are you crucifying him? He probably was there when they was beating him all night. He probably was there when Jesus was walking up the hill and, and the cross was too heavy that he fell down. Bartimaeus probably was there. He was probably there. When they stretched Jesus as wide as they could and dislocated his shoulders and dislocated bones and nailed his wrist to the cross and nailed his hands to the cross, he probably was there because Jesus did something for him and he had to follow him. Why, why can't our reaction be this radical? That after they hung, after they stretched him wide and they nailed his feet and his hands, that they lifted him high up so everyone can see. But I also like to think that after Jesus died and after Jesus was placed in the tomb, that Bartimaeus was one of those eyewitnesses Paul was talking about. I would like to believe that Bartimaeus was going around telling people, the man that gave my eyesight, he's alive again. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? And the same Savior that rose from the dead ascended into heaven, and he's coming back for us. And for those of you that may be here, that your spirit is like Bartimaeus before he met Jesus, that the son, the, the God of this world has blinded your eyes and so you're not able to see the truth. I pray 
that you realize that Jesus is the way. And Bartimaeus knew that. So he, I can't go my way. I have to follow you. And that you will become, as they call them in the Bible before Christians, followers of the way. For that way is narrow. And very few are on it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for that great hero of the faith, Bartimaeus. Thank you for the example he has given us to have great, radical, extreme faith. We pray that you will give us that faith. Open our eyes. Amen.